Today we're speaking with Tarek Haddad, who recently made the news by resigning from Newsweek because they would not let him publish the true story of how the supposedly neutral institution and watchdog known as the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons knowingly falsified its own report to accuse the Syrian government of carrying out a chemical attack, which perhaps could have led to a U.S. invasion or a full-blown U.S. invasion, regional war, or even world war. Well, you don't have to worry about that because after the recent U.S. airstrike outside the Baghdad International Airport, which killed the renowned Iranian General Qasem Soleimani, it seems we may get another chance at a regional or even world war. Uh, Tarek and I will be discussing Iran today, and thank you for joining Geopolitics and Empire for the first time. Thank you very much for having me on. And it was a pleasure to meet you recently on another podcast where we yeah. kind of began this discussion. Yeah, we spoke with Rico Browers, of our friend uh, out in, uh, I think, the Netherlands uh, from his mm -hmm. pod podcast. Uh, podcast. Um, and so today we'll be talking about uh, Iran. And just to set a little context, um, the U.S. launched uh, a few weeks ago airstrikes both in Syria and Iraq targeting Iranian-backed militias and or Hezbollah. Both Syria and Iraq were furious about this violation of their sovereignty. And then this led to an Iraqi uprising and assault on the U.S. embassy in Baghdad, which uh, today in the communique has told all Americans to depart uh, Iraq. So... There's a lot of serious things uh, going on. The Iranian general that was taken out, he was a revered figure. Uh, and the airstrike that took him out also, um, which was, I believe, in uh, or near the Baghdad International Airport, it took out important Iraqi and perhaps other military figures. This for sure is a very deadly escalation by the United States toward a new regional, if not uh, world war. So Tarek, what do you make of these events? Sure. Um, I mean, it's tough to say with certainty at the moment, but I think there was probably some sort of understanding that this was in the pipeline for a long time. I think um, kind of from what I've been looking at is there's been evidence that, um, you know, the US and I mean, the powers in the region knew that there was about to be a big conflict escalating. Um, I don't think you know, I wasn't aware of it when I resigned from Newsweek over the scandal at the OPCW, but kind of having conversations with people over the last few days and um, speaking to other journalists in the region. Um, and, you know, a lot of people have reached out to me, giving me certain, you know, certain information. Um, I think, you know, the, the case is that this conflict has kind of been a long time, long time coming. And I can kind of explain some of those specific factors. Yeah, we'll get into that. And, and um, just to talk a little bit of the, the, the trivial, superficial aspect, which is on the news, uh, you know, if, if this wasn't Iran and if it wasn't General Soleimani, I might think this is just, you know, President Trump attempting to, to win votes uh, akin to perhaps what he did um, perhaps a year or two ago when he, when he sure. sent, I don't know what, 50, 60 missiles uh, uh, striking um, into Syria, but he, they were sent uh, where there was nothing there. You know, so it was mm -hmm. just kind of for show. Um, yeah. And, you know, he, so, but it seems something tells me it's much, much more. I mean, they took out the Iranian general. This is very serious. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how do you see President Trump's role in this? Not to mention, you know, his a very active and trivial uh, tweeting on the matter. Sure. Um, and I, th I think you probably will share a similar view to me here in that, um, you know, even though that he will have had his part to play, I don't think he's ultimately, um, the key responsible figure in all of this. I think if you look at US foreign policy 
through the years, I think it's um, it's become more and more apparent that it's it's not really it doesn't matter who the president is, Democrat or Republican. Um, you know, the Western or the U.S. Empire, you know, per se, in the Middle East, will kind of do what it's you know what it what it wants to do and it's and it's part of what i raised in my in my piece that i that i wrote about when i resigned from newsweek the big problem and it's it's been something that's been discussed for a very long time is this whole idea of the military industrial complex um you know um what i found at newsweek is that there was editors with you know very direct links to think tanks that make money from going to war um and you know i think essentially the influence of these think tanks has just become so powerful that they really do dictate um, wider US foreign policy. Um, people like the Council on Foreign Relations, for example, um, you know, what you'll see with, you know, their publications and the things that they put out is, is all kind of a very good sign of where foreign policy will go. Um, so you'll notice how we started to see um, propaganda against China uh, with the Uyghur population. Thankfully, some, you know, investigative journalist, uh, Max Blumenthal, I don't know if you're aware, um, he wrote a piece about, you know, how kind of taking apart those, those Uyghur accusations. Um, and, there's, you know, there's other similar signs like this. But in, yeah, in essence, I think it was, it's, Trump's not the, the key figure in this. I think he's someone that's come into this role and, the the kind of military establishment behind him is kind of pushed for this yeah i would totally uh, agree with you um you know I, I, on my facebook i've got some of my old international relations uh, students you know commenting i'm posting the the events as they're happening and they say president trump and i'm like whoa 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 you know not to defend president trump but yeah. if, if if we continue that line of thinking blaming trump it's very misguided uh, because mm -hmm. we can pin the blame on Trump, but then, as you say, we're not looking at the real root or cause, which is the military-industrial mm -hmm. complex or the deep state or or whatever you want to call this this thing. Mm -hmm. And it, it reminds me of JFK, you know. And they they pulled the same thing on JFK when you know uh, was it the, the Dulles brothers tried to get uh, Kennedy to go into to overthrow Cuba? He fudged that up, I, I think, intentionally. And, and you know, look what happened to to Kennedy, and who, who also wanted to pull out of Vietnam and and mm -hmm. and the, the the Cold War, and so. It's the same scenario again with with Trump, uh, and then mm -hmm. going kind of deeper in, in, um, into this, you know, this, this just reminded me. I spoke last summer with a Romanian patron and supporter of geopolitics uh, and empire who called me up for a Skype, and I think he has his own podcast out in Romania. But he asked me uh, some of my views on Iran, uh, mm -hmm. and I had told him that I didn't see war with Iran in 2019 but that I thought that a U.S. war on Iran was a sure thing, that it was baked in the cake. And I say this because of the factual and historical precedent that has been borne out. Uh, you recently retweeted Peter Hitchens, who has been saying that we are not in a post-war, but a pre-war period, uh, you know, implying that, you know, it's, we're not looking toward a future uh, of peace, but, you know, something is, is coming. Wars are going to start happening again. Former NATO commander and U.S. presidential candidate Wesley Clark revealed to us the 2001 Pentagon project to remove seven Middle Eastern countries, beginning with Iraq, Syria, Libya, uh, which all have happened so far. You know, mm -hmm. Lebanon, where we've recently seen the economy collapse and mass protests uh, 
uh, initiated. And we've even seen, you can, people can go out and see uh, video footage of this. Uh, U.S. government officials, I'm not sure if it was someone from the U.S. State Department, were on the streets promoting the overthrow of the Lebanese uh, government. Uh, and then finally, we've got Iran. So, you know, I mean, call me crazy, but we've seen a war on every single one of these countries that they said that they, they would attack. So I think yeah. a, ra a rational person will conclude that we're going to see sooner or later a war with uh, Iran. So, I mean, what, what do you think mm -hmm. the United States is, is after here? Um, and if you want to go d deeper into this, you know, mm -hmm. um, do you see them going through with a full war, uh, full on war against yeah. Iran? So I had a very interesting conversation yesterday with a um, Lebanese journalist, journalist called, Sh uh, well, she's not Lebanese, she's American, but she's based in Lebanon, Sharmina uh, Wari. Um, and, you know, um, it put, really put a lot of things into perspective for me, you know, things that I've, I've read elsewhere, but essentially I believe, um, you know, the, the Chinese and the Russian empires are kind of strengthening their influence in the Middle East. and because of the, the US failure in Iraq, um, China has stepped in. I don't know if you're aware, I think they, I mean, they've given them lots of funding. And so I think it's, you know, the, the Chinese empire has started to do things differently compared to the US empire of kind of using proxies to, to uphold US interests. China's going for this, you know, this approach of, you know, we'll give you funding, you know, we'll give you the ability to build infrastructure, and that's how we'll try and hope that you'll be kind of um, your your allegiances will be with us. Um, and so I think um, what Charmin was mentioning yesterday is that now there's um, a um, kind of a, an agreement. I don't know if it's, it's kind of formalized, but an agreement between China, Russia, Iran, those players in that region of them saying, okay, we we're you know we all have a common interest in protecting. Um, the rule of law, international law, and uh, the sovereignty of countries, because they've all been at the kind of, um, you know, felt the repercussions of, of that. So I think my perspective is, you know, the US project in the Middle East has largely failed. Um, the, the military and kind of the, the idea of American supremacy hasn't, you know, they, they, they haven't accepted that fact. Um, and instead of just kind of removing themselves from the area, they're, they're going to be kind of clinging on, or they're going to escalate the situation further. But I think it's, it's definitely a clear sign of um, the US empire's decline, for sure. Um, you know, I saw some figures from the um, Freedom, Freedom of the Press Foundation, which was, kind of shows how many number of journalists are, you know, killed or, and this is in the United States, this is, you know, they've got a, tr a new tracker purely to monitor the United States, the freedom of the press in the United States, the amount of journalists that are indicted on certain offences. Obviously, we've got things like Snowden and Julian Assange and um, Reality Winner and, you know, all these people. Um, so I think what we're seeing is kind of the US has actually become an authoritarian authoritarian state that is, is in decline um, and instead of kind of accepting this openly it's 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 doing what a, what a flay, uh, you know flailing empire does it'll it'll start conflict as it as it's declining all around it but it, essentially it's it's going to lose more and more wars as you know 
Yeah, I mean, and I, I would agree with you. You know, I, I left, uh, I decided to leave the U.S. in 2006 for various reasons. I've mentioned this before, but I kind of saw historically the trend towards, um, the, it's, it's an empire. I realized I was living in an empire and it was declining and you just compare it like to the Roman Empire or, or, mm. or whatnot and it becomes the economy uh, declines. Uh, when that happens, when you reach the peak, the economy starts to decline. It starts to become more mm. authoritarian. Um, and people blame it on trump today but it's again it's not it's not trump yeah. it's 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 a process that's started a, a long time yeah. ago and it kind of bothers me i have some you know mexican friends i'm, I'm a mexican citizen myself but yeah. i i'm a real ethnic mexican friends who will say you know trump is a, a a nazi but i'm like wait a minute i left in 2006 like you know what the 13 years before trump so i saw, yeah. saw i saw these things beginning to happen but anyways we're, we're digressing from iran mm. and I, I i like how you use the term empire for both china and russia so let's not be you know mistaken uh, yeah, either it's, and it's a global game it's not a... yeah and and uh, the european uh, mep guy verhofstadt recently gave a speech i'm not a fan of his but i agreed with what he said that um the future is not a future of nations but of empires you know he said look at india it's a billion people it's that's an empire it's the china is an mm -hmm. empire the eu is an empire the us russia so the, we're, we're dealing with empires here um and then mm -hmm. to talk a bit more uh, of the media aspect and what we're going to start seeing uh, going forward you know i would like to think mm -hmm. that your, yourself and myself we try to look at uh, geopolitical events uh, as they are with as little personal bias or emotion as possible you can never mm -hmm. get rid of that a hundred percent but sure. you know before this podcast gets labeled anti-american or some other such insult let me just remind folks that iran has not started a war in i believe hundreds of years uh, and it has in recent times been a peaceful country uh, and it, ha it has been the u.s europe and their partners such as saudi arabia and israel which have initiated fraudulent wars uh, which have led to the deaths of millions and you know just to be fair yes israel uh, in in some of those instances uh, was defending itself and so it had legitimate rights uh, as well to defend uh, mm -hmm. itself israel from uh, uh, attacks from its neighboring countries and mm -hmm. sure iran, iran has its own problems and may be an impressive of oppressive place to live i don't know i've never actually visited visited uh, iran but mm -hmm. is bombing them and killing millions of people reasonable so i'm trying to look at this objectively and factually and let's not forget again in the 1980s the u.s spurred saudi arabia to to invade iran and we had they had an eight-year war that killed millions of, of people there where the u.s uh, was arming both both sides so you know considering you've been working in the media how do you see all of this playing out uh in the media the mainstream media how might the pentagon leverage the media uh, and prep preparing prepping americans and people around the world for yet uh, uh, another war uh will it be harder for, for the truth to come out. Uh, so, so what's your take on the media today? And yeah, I mean, in general, and I think most, most of your listeners will be kind of aware of this, you know, in times of war, it's becomes very, very difficult for journalists to say anything that's counter to the, to the government line. And, you know, in big wars that definitely goes up because, you know, what happens is any anti-war voices will automatically start being labeled as, you know, unpatriotic. And then that will slowly descend. I mean, but the thing is, it's, it's we've already reached that stage with America of anything that's counter the kind of military military line is, you know, a sad apologist, Russian asset, um, genocide denier. You could go, you could go on and on and on. Um, and 
I mean, reading the news, the mainstream kind of Western news, I've seen very little anti anti war voices, and I've, I mean, some of the, some of the coverage has been you know amazing. I've seen kind of quotes from Nancy Pelosi, the, the Democrat speaker, um, you know, criticizing Donald Trump for um, not asking approval from Congress before before the strikes, and it was I think two weeks ago she was you know, saying that she wouldn't, she wouldn't have impeached, um, she decided not to impeach George Bush, even though she knew that he lied about Iraq. And then they had this kind of monumental impeachment cock up over, you know, uh, coming up, leading up to Christmas. So it's, it's the, you can just see the, the, the information that's coming out of the US media is just, it doesn't have the ability to be accurate anymore. And I kind of made, you know, made this reference in a few of my tweets. It seems like, you know, this inability of the U.S. Uh, media to, to really tell the truth about what's going on is really hurting the country because some of these things could be avoided if, if you had a kind of a media that was a, a watchdog. You know, some of the more flagrant violations of, you know, international law would be stopped but what you've steadily seen and this has probably gone on for 50 years now is you know that america america and the uk have been the worst perpetrators of crimes against um you know against international law and you know like you said earlier you know we're both um we're not doing this to defend russia or or defend syria or anything like that we probably and i, I assume you say this from the same perspective is that we actually care about the united kingdom and the united states and the western kind of model of democracy and actually the way we see that flourishing is um you know protecting rule of law protecting institutions such as the opcw um i wrote a, a kind of just looking back at my old article i, I wrote a paragraph that was saying you know exactly this and this was about a month ago saying why it's it's so dangerous to weaponize the opcw it's supposed to be this uh, neutral watchdog that stops or you know investigates chemical weapons attacks and you know saying we the media it's unacceptable that they're silent on this and you know this can have massive implications and we're, as we're seeing today you know, I think, you know, the OPC leaks, OPCW leaks are definitely linked to what we're seeing in Iraq. It's this flagrant, uh, re, you know, repeated violation of um, international law. And I think those countries have had enough, essentially, and they're saying, we don't want you in the region anymore. Yeah, and I, I would agree with you uh, as well that we, we, we talk this way because we see illegal actions that are unethical and we care for our own countries in western civilization you know i'm, I'm reminded of uh you know I, i'm i'm more of a peter hitchens type conservative uh, christian but i I'm, i think of william wilberforce who was this uh, christian wow. politician who single-handedly I, I believe ended helped to end slavery in the british empire yeah, yeah. so it's like that same idea where oh, where where it's like you know if if syria did carry out a chemical attack okay let let's do something about it but i mean it's not in the Judeo-Christian tradition or other traditions to be falsifying data and then that and we're supposed to be honest and tell the truth mm -hmm. and have integrity uh, whether we like it or not you know whether what the other person saying is, is true um, whether we agree or disagree with them the truth is the truth so um, that, that's kind of the idea and going just one more thing on the media mm -hmm. aspect yeah. uh, 
you were talking about the journalism in the U.S., what's happening now. And I was kind of shocked, you know, we're talking about Snowden and Julian Assange, you know, Snowden, who's, who's worked in the government and then um, re revealed all this NSA information, which is, it's unconstitutional, but they were still kind of like state secrets. But I'm thinking now recently of the gray zone, uh, I think it's Max Blumenthal. So he's, yeah. he's just this regular guy doing journalism mm -hmm. and he gets these fake charge the police just come up to him and invent these charges and, and and put him in jail in the united states and for me this mm -hmm. is like something that happens in in foreign countries okay. and that's happening now in the u.s they're just inventing charges for it's political persecution in the u.s to a regular Absolutely. average guy so i don't know if you have any final comment on on, on the yeah community. i mean i was i was thinking about this i was due to um speak at a vigil for julian assange a few weeks ago it didn't happen in the end just because of um we, we had some timing issues, but um, I was, you know, thinking about this a lot. And while all this was happening, and my thought is that, you know, the U.S. essentially has become the countries that it used to, you know, hate and lambast and things. The, the example I couldn't help thinking of was Alexander Solzhenitsyn, of kind of how, you know, he went to the U.S. and, you know, after speaking out about the horrors in the Soviet Union, and the West was rightfully... Um, credited for taking him in and you know his story was paraded around and now we kind of have this polar opposite situation where uh, Snowden is exiled in Russia and I've seen interviews and he's you know he's happy, living a happy life he, he's not obviously he's not pleased about being in Russia um, you know it kind of it, it's symbolically I think it says something that um, he's living you know he's living in russia because he can't tell the truth in america and you know I, I kind of mentioned this in my piece is that i think freedom of speech is very quickly dying in the united states and if it has any hope of you know having a successful resolution to all of this i think freedom of speech is needs to be you know really thought about and considered again although you know it's it's the first amendment for a reason um it's the most important thing for society and it's to to link to your point i think it's it's very linked to the judeo-christian you know tradition which most people aren't aware of um and there's you know i think we discussed this a little bit last time there's deeper philosophical forces at play i think in terms of you know much of the Western world has, for the most part, lost its faith. Um, and so, you know, you're seeing capitalism replace that faith. Um, and so what you're getting is these, you know, this, this empire that doesn't really have a direction other, other than pursuing profit. <clears throat> Whereas, you know, previous Western empires, even though they had their faults, as all empires do, especially if you look historically, but, um, you know, the reason that the West was successful is that it had this, um, you know, this pursuit of truth, this pursuit of knowledge, um, which, you know, seemingly has gone out of the way now, and its profits are more important than truth. And, you know, unless we people start to kind of really speak up about that, um, it's, it's devastating. I think, I mentioned this previously, there are signs of hope, is that I think you are seeing... Um, this return to kind of understanding religious ideas and spirituality, but in a, in a more modern sense, not going back to the Christianity of, of the past, but kind of, you know, people like Jordan Peterson and um, Jonathan Favakey who are talking about 
you know, spirituality and mythology and the, the scientific roots from, you know, evolutionary bio biology in these stories and the importance of the stories to our human makeup. Um, and so their movement is growing, you know, in the United States and the Western world. So, you know, if those people start to, you know, push for truth again, there might be hope. But um, other than that, it's, it's looking pretty grim at the moment. And, and well, th that was kind of my next question, looking pretty grim. So, you know, we've been talking a little bit about uh, Iran and, and, and the U.S. empire. And, you know, if the, if the U.S. initiates a shooting war with Iran, I think it'll be a far cry from what we've seen so far with Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, or Lemon, um, sorry, Lemon, Yemen. Um, <laughs> that's the Mexican part of me speaking, Lemon. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, what do you think would be the consequences? I mean, if, if we talk, it's a sad, grim thing to discuss, but the consequences of U.S.-Iran uh, war, as well as in the context, you know, recently we had the Russian-Chinese, you mentioned Iranian war games, um, and China has today called for calm and restraint following the assassination of the Iranian uh, general. So, I mean, what are the consequences? How do you think Russia and, and, and China will be involved? I mean, do you think we're, we're going to see some lower level retaliation from uh, Iran or, I mean, what would be the consequences of a U.S.-Iran war? Yeah, I mean, this is the kind of the scary aspects of it is that um, you never know what's going to happen with war. Um, you know, and it can take the slightest, you know, thing that can just set it off. And, you know, I think World War One is a very good example of that. Um, you know, something happens in, in kind of something that seems disconnected from everything. And then all of a sudden it, it becomes this global conflict. Um, so I, I can't really predict what's going to happen, but I think I'm thankful for the, the calls for restraint um the more of that the better um and it, it's kind of seemingly in line with what russia and china have said in terms of you know all they're looking for really even though i'm sure they have their own ambitions in the region but i think all their and you know why they have the support in the region at the moment is they're saying all we want is international sovereignty and rule of law um so I would hope that they're not looking to escalate the situation. Um, and, but the problem is, I guess, you have national factors at play in terms of, I'm sure people in Iran will not take this attack very lightly. And then, you know, there might be pressure on the government to, to react or show that, you know, they're not going to tolerate this. If they just say, you know, okay, um, America did a bad thing, you know, and shake their finger at them and then just say, but we're going to follow the law. It might, you know, that it might, I don't know the politics of Iran that well, but it might not sit very well with the people. So you might have the situation where there is a lot of, a lot of pressure on the government to, to retaliate. Yeah, there's been some rumblings that they could close the Strait of Hormuz, which could send oil mm -hmm. jumping to $150 uh, a barrel. Is there anything else you'd like to mention on, the issue of uh, Iran and, and the Middle East or any other rumblings you've heard from your network? Um, yeah, I mean, it's tough to say, but I think, yeah, I think what my feeling is that we're in a very, very critical period. Um, and so, you know, my hope is that people will just, you know, 
try to engage in this topic and think about it. Part of my concern is actually that well, the Western world has become so used to conflict in the Middle East um, and conflict in all these countries that no one actually really knows what's going on. No one pays attention anymore. Everyone's got their own, they're wrapped up in whatever. And, you know, most young people will probably have no idea of foreign, foreign affairs at all. I, I was walking, I was walking around today and I was, you know, I was actually feeling very sad and thinking, you know, a few days ago for the new year, I was feeling really optimistic and, you know, personally, some new opportunities were arising. But then today it was, you know, very depressing news. I thought we're definitely on the edge of something catastrophic. I was walking around and it seemed like no one had a clue. Um, you know, everyone's, whatever, on their, on their video games, or <laughs> you know, sounding like an old man now. But, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I really don't get the sense that people are that concerned when they, sh you know, this is a really critical time for the West. Yeah, I play video game, video games too, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I would agree the, the same with you. This is something that we need, we need to talk about and and in our everyday lives with the people uh, around us. Um, is there anything else? You know, any final thoughts? I always ask my guests on their final thoughts on anything else going into twenty twenty, whether it's war or peace, activism, media uh, or censorship, given uh, what happened with you uh, uh, mm -hmm. and Newsweek. So any final thoughts uh, to leave us with, whether they be more realistic and grim or, or, or positive or uh, and optimistic? Sure, I'll try and keep it positive. I think, um, like we mentioned, the media coverage is going to be bad from a Western perspective. So if you do live in those countries, um, you know, please seek out independent voices i think we're luckily in a situation now that this has been happening so long but there is a big number of people that are talking about this um the problem is they they, they struggle to get funding or they need to f support themselves through patreon so you know find out those people that are trying to kind of call for a strength call for international law um and support them on patreon or you know paypal or whatever means that you can various different podcasts um yours included you know please i'm sure your listeners already support you but donate some more for the new year and yeah um try and keep speaking about it don't you know raise it with as many people as you can and because it, it is very serious and people need to start waking up about this i think yes please do do support us i, I did get a 50 dollar donation for the new year so thank you to my listener there um but i'm still running um how would you say, uh, still not covering the entire cost of the time that I, that I put in uh, and the resources mm -hmm. to go into this. So um, it was a decent year last year, but let's hope listeners uh, help chip in to keep this going so I can talk to, to people like like yourself and the guests that I do talk to and, and spread their um, their knowledge and expertise. So I know you're on Twitter, you do have a website and you do have a Patreon and a PayPal. So how can people best uh, follow, find you, follow you, support your work? Sure. Probably it's all wrapped up in one place on my website. So it's um, TarekHaddad.com. So T-A-R-E-Q-H-A-D-D-A-D.com. And we'll have my Twitter and my Patreon and everything. But uh, I appreciate that if you, if you could help. All right. I urge people to follow Tarek and support him on his uh, Patreon. He is someone who risked his fancy journalist career at Newsweek for his integrity and the truth. I too have gone a semester or two without university courses when I taught as an adjunct because of my non-establishment views on international relations. So I know how it feels. Um, 
thanks for the talk, Tarek, and best of luck yeah. to you. Cheers.